Every week we go to the scriptures because it's there that we believe the person and work of Jesus is most clearly revealed. Our sermon text this week will be from John 10, 11 through 18. Um, but before we read the scripture this morning, let us pray together. Gracious God, you have given us your holy scriptures for our good and to draw us closer to you. Grant us as we read and hear this morning to truly see you through your words, through the words that Dodds brings. And let us just walk out of here holding fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life that we have in you, in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now hear from the word from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Peace be with you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sojourn. Uh, my name is Dodds. I'm one of the pastors here. Really glad to be with you this morning. Today uh, marks the fourth Sunday of Eastertide, a season uh, within the church calendar where we continue our Easter celebration. And this year we have been in the Gospel of John, looking at selected passages in order to celebrate our Lord Jesus and his resurrection. Just as an aside, and I, I point this out just because I think it's very beautiful, but we're, we're in six weeks of Eastertide, and that's actually going to lead up to a seventh Sunday when we celebrate Jesus' ascension. And then on the eighth Sunday, we will celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So those numbers are just wonderful signs of completion and new creation. So pretty cool. Um, in our first week at Easter, we looked at Jesus' resurrection, then at his appearance to Mary Magdalene, a first apostle to the apostles, as it were, in John's gospel. And last week, we considered his appearance to the disciples. This week, we have come to one of the great teachings in Jesus' earthly ministry, the Good Shepherd Discourse. And in order to, to get into today's text, I think it is going to be very good for us to begin with a few other texts. So let's read initially from Ezekiel 34 and Jeremiah 23. First Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, 
You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I... I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There shall, there shall, uh, there they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. And now from Jeremiah. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So the image of shepherding plays a very important role in the history of God's people Israel and their sense of identity. Israel descended from shepherds. So all their patriarchs were shepherds. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. They were all shepherds. In the book of, in the book of Exodus, Israel was led like a flock through the wilderness with their shepherd Moses, guiding them and striking their enemies with a rod. The great King David, the psalmist of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He was called from looking after sheep to become the leader and shepherd of God's people. So as Christians in our time, in our context today, we usually think of shepherds in terms of, of pastors within the church. But in the Old Testament and in the Near Eastern culture, a shepherd was an image of the king. And so that would have been the focus of Ezekiel and Jeremiah's rebuke here. These prophets are talking about the injustices that the kings and princes of Israel were allowing and perpetrating against God's people. As we can tell from the text, Israel's kings and elders were called by God to be faithful shepherds, to feed the people, to lead them to good pasture, to strengthen and care for them, to guard them and keep them and seek them and oversee them with gentility and leadership. Now because of sin, and because of the fallen state of humanity from the garden until now, our history and scripture has been littered with failed shepherds. Adam's sin was a pastoral failure to guard the garden and his bride. Aaron, Moses' right-hand man, bowed to the people and erected a golden calf to worship. Eli, an Old Testament priest, grew fat and blind watching his sons commit acts of greed and immorality in the tabernacle courts. So scripture paints a picture 
that in our fallen world, there are more idolatrous kings than faithful ones, more court toadies than true princes. And as we see from these texts today, Israel's leaders were failing to shepherd the flock of God among them. They were failing to exercise oversight willingly and eagerly. They were leveraging their position for shameful gain. They, instead of feeding the sheep, they were, they were using the sheep as their food. They were neglecting the sheep and domineering over those in their charge. They weren't being examples to the flock. So Ezekiel and Jeremiah's prophecies are that one day God himself will do what his appointed shepherds have failed to do. A chief shepherd will appear Israel's unfaithful leaders will be judged and removed from their place of authority, and the chief shepherd will reign faithfully. He will lead God's sheep with wisdom and benevolence, and the sheep will be saved. They will live in security, and they will even thrive. They will be fruitful, and they will multiply. So John 10 that we're looking at today is really actually part of a larger section that includes John 9. Really, all of, all of what we're reading and all of what's come is actually taking place at the same feast. And it's in John 9 that Jesus heals a man who is born blind. And after this man is attacked by the Pharisees and thrown out of the synagogue, Jesus shows everyone that it's the Pharisees who are truly blind, not the blind man. So when we arrive at our text today, the setting is the same. Jesus says these words with the Pharisees, the shepherds of Israel, right in front of him. Let's go back to our text. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The, the larger discourse here really reads like a parable. Jesus speaks of a flock of sheep that must be guarded and tended. They're in a vulnerable position. All around them are wolves that will eat them, thieves and robbers who will break in to steal them. But Jesus says, instead of having a faithful shepherd, instead of having a group of faithful shepherds who will protect them, they have contracted hirelings that don't see the sheep as their own. And they have run away in fear of wolves and thieves. They have cared more for their own safety than for the sheep. And because of that, the sheep are attacked and scattered. Jesus' words sound somewhat similar to the word of rebuke and warning that, that God brought through Jeremiah and Ezekiel, doesn't it? Jesus contrasts between the good shepherd and the hirelings. He's, and in doing so, he's directly rebuking the Pharisees, the hirelings, for their neglect of their people, God's people. Good shepherds are those who protect the sheep and lead them out to good pasture. 
False shepherds are those who do not seek the sheep as their own and feed on the sheep instead of leading them to good pasture. And Jesus' words here, they really heighten the drama of what's going on. Before we go further, I'd, I'd like for us to just to consider something. The, the most common picture of the leader in the Bible is the shepherd. And for the most of us, for really for most of us, when we picture a shepherd, we picture a tender and compassionate, kind, well-groomed man in a white robe carrying a newborn lamb over his shoulders. We get images like that from Psalm 23 and Isaiah 40 and Ezekiel 34 and even our text today, John 10. So much of that picture does come from the Bible. It's just not the full picture. A large portion of the biblical images of the shepherd focus upon the shepherd as a figure of conflict and violence. Someone who protects the sheep by killing wolves, bears, and lions. One who fights off thieves, bandits, and rival shepherds. And one who lays down his life for the life of the flock. So the Bible says that the task of shepherding is, is one actually beset by dangers on all sides. Even from sheep that bite back and sheep that bite one another. You know, we often talk about David as a, a gentle country shepherd boy who played music, and he, and he did. But we forget that the young David was also a man who killed lions and bears as part of his day job. Shepherds are clearly called to act out of love, but this love is far from a generic niceness. Because the shepherd loves the sheep, he shows wolves no mercy. He does not banter with thieves. Attacking wolves and putting down thieves is the loving thing to do. Shepherd was called to drive away predators and navigate hostile, unforgiving terrain where, where the sheep and himself were exposed to all of the elements. And in order to find water and good pastures, sheep, shepherds had to lead the sheep through danger. And so they truly did put their lives on the line for the sheep and they were prepared to fight if necessary. So let's keep the word shepherd, but let's picture this. Let's picture something more like a cowboy, okay? Shepherds are ancient, they were ancient cowboys with one major caveat. Cowboys drive the herd from behind. Shepherds lead the flock from out in front. Shepherds lead by example. So we need to expand our understanding of what it means to shepherd the church. The role of a pastor is not merely therapeutic, supportive, and nurturing. It is that. But pastors must also be willing to fight and lay down their own lives to defend the flock from roaring lions that are prowling around looking for someone to devour. It's not a role in which to seek self-protection, but a role in which to embrace difficulty and hardship. The picture of the shepherd is one of fierce tenderness, reflecting a God who powerfully protects us from assaults and provides for us in our dependency. 
So this sojourn is what makes, all of this is what makes Jesus's words here so profound. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. When Jesus said that, he was linking himself to the prophecy of Ezekiel and Jeremiah. As Caroline Lewis says, the one who claims that he is the good shepherd in this parable is making a claim to be the Davidic Messiah of Ezekiel 34. Jesus is the promised righteous branch from David that comes to gather God's flock and to bring them back into the fold. And they will be fruitful and multiply under his leadership. And in his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus became the greater Adam who stepped in to crush the head of the serpent wolf, the one who undid what the hireling Adam didn't do when he fled the care of his bride. Jesus became the greater Moses, leading God's flock out of the bondage of taskmasters and slave drivers. He's the one who leads us out into the wilderness pasture and into the promised land where he will feed and water us forever. And he will make us a place of protection and life for others as we are fruitful and multiply. See, our chief shepherd not only leads and provides and teaches and protects, he gives his life for you, for all of you, each one of you. He fulfills the promises made to Israel and then he lays his life down and takes it back up again. And because of the resurrection, he is still doing that. He's still guarding you. He is still protecting you, feeding you, leading you, and laying his life down for you. He will always do that because Jesus is not out to protect himself even now. He is out to protect you. He will not leave you to bandits and lions. He will get involved. He is involved. He gets in the way. That is what makes him the good shepherd because he puts himself between the sheep and the wolf, between the sheep and the thieves, between the sheep and the serpent. And that involves being willing to be humiliated in order to protect. That involves self-giving for the sake of others. That involves him seeing all of you, Sojourn, as his own. That's what makes him worthy of your devotion and your trust. How scattered is our world? How scattered are the peoples on all sides who will protect us, who will guide us, who will lead us, who will give us food and drive away thieves and wolves, who will walk in the valley of death with us, who will anoint us at a table where we don't have a single friend around us, he will. He is the good shepherd. And he will bring all who are scattered back to his fold. Sheep that are not yet part of this fold sojourn. So that there will be one flock and one shepherd. 
And here, here is where we are headed. Listen to Revelation 7. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The lamb who was slain, who is on the throne, the king of kings, he will be our great shepherd. Our world is like sheep without a shepherd, but Jesus says, I lay down my life, this charge I have received from my father. And the father promised us a shepherd, and in Jesus that promise has been kept. And it's a promise that will always be being kept. From now, from now until forever. Sojourn, as, as we close, I'd, I'd like to speak to you just personally for a moment. I realize the I realize the intimacy and weightiness of preaching on the Good Shepherd as one of the shepherds here at Sojourn Heights. This, this passage is nothing if not convicting, and yet, I will tell you, I found it also very strengthening. God the Father says he will set shepherds over his people to care for them, and so I know the elders of Sojourn are a part of that promise to you, his bride. Over the last 10 years, as one of your pastors, I know I've been faithful in ways to shepherd. And I know that I've acted like a hireling at times where certain things have scared or overwhelmed me. I've attended to you earnestly in seasons and I have also failed to come to your aid in others. I'm sure that all of our elders feel the same way that I do. And for our weaknesses and our sins, please, please forgive us. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, David is responsible for the folly of the census due to his sin, and the Lord promises to punish the people in response. And David said, Behold, I have sinned, and I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and my father's house. I truly pray that our eldership is marked by such character and such leadership to stand in the way for all of you, for each of you. And what a wonderful, what a wonderful truth that we have a chief shepherd who asked to be held accountable for all of our sins and yet had no sin himself. As elders, we have taken a vow to serve you, to guard you, to feed you, to protect you, to teach you, to pray for you, to hold true to Christ for you, and to put ourselves in harm's way for you. Next week, Matt Van Zant 
One of our elder candidates will stand on this stage and he will take a vow to do the same. And within that vow, there is an admission of future failure. But also within that vow is a promise to rise after every failure and continue to hold to the vows that we have made. As Augustine once said, all good shepherds are in the one shepherd. They are one. And Christ, they feed the sheep and Christ feeds them. The friends of the bridegroom don't speak their own voice, but they rejoice at the voice of the bridegroom. That is why he feeds when they feed. This is feeding Christ. This is feeding for Christ. This is feeding in Christ, not feeding by oneself apart from Christ. And so I say to you, my dear brothers and sisters, joining with my own voice, the voice of all of our elders, we vow to protect you, to fight off wolves and to not run, to put down thieves, to lead you to good pasture, to guard you and lay down our own lives for yours because you sojourn are our own. And we vow to do it in union with Christ, the chief shepherd who leads us, feeds us, and guards all of us. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, our great shepherd, our great king, our great pastor. Lord, we thank you for being the one who makes all of these promises to us that no matter what in the failure of our elders here or the success of our elders here, that you are better than any success and in every failure, you are more than enough. Would you lead us? Would you protect us? Would you stand in the gap the way that you do, the way you always have, continuing to guard us? We're continuing to teach us. Or would you bring maturity, wisdom, understanding, discernment? Would you bring humility? Would you bring honorability, honesty? God, would you make us a flock eager to welcome more into the fold, eager to be led and protected by you, and eager to lead and protect? God, we love you. We need you. We look to you, and we trust you. We ask all of this in your name. Amen.